there's, there's a massive tree that's trying to steal everyone's blood. Electronic Wireless Show, the Rock Paper Shotgun podcast, the only gaming podcast you need, my favourite gaming podcast. My name is Alice Bell, and I'm joined this week by the lovely Brendan Caldwell. Hi. Hi. How are you, Brendy? Grand. Good. Good. You sound <laughs> and, like you are both of those things. Uh, and the lovely Matt Cox, who Hello. has ignored my instruction to lean into the directional mic I when mean... he speaks. <laughs> You're getting like very intimate with the mic. I, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Speak into the mic, but do not shite into the mic. The mic is your friend. I've like this looks. This is a comfortable position. I think this works. Does I'm it? telling. I'm telling you, it's not working because I'm uh-huh. looking at the audio spikes right now. <laughs> okay. Well, that we we've got this now. Yeah, okay. We're good. I'll accept. I'll accept that. We're smooth, we're professional, we're going to talk about video games. <laughs> uh, so this week, I mean, we're talking about uh, our favourite achievements in games. Do you have any favourite achievements in real life, Brendan, before we get started? You mean things that I take pride in in real life? Yeah. I've got a little, uh, f- like a, a little tiny finger skateboard framed in, in a in a box next to me quite proud of that i didn't do anything to get it it was a present um no the answer's no wow <laughs> you got married like weeks ago everyone does that though it's like <laughs> i don't know yeah this is about video games i didn't expect this to get dropped on me i didn't have to think about reality until a minute ago <laughs> sorry I mean, I'm I'm proud of. I made uh, I made a vegetarian lasagna the other day. Mm-hmm. That was good. Um, I am uh, I I bled my radiator <laughs> in my room. That is good. Yeah. No, I think you should be proud. Which I I'd not done myself before. It's really easy. There you go, radiator fans. If you've not bled your radiator yourself before. Honestly, the easiest thing I've ever done. And then you got a warm room. It's good because my, but because my radiator is the top one in the system, and so it was really full of air, and it sounded like my room was haunted by a ghost living in the radiator. Because every time you walked in the room, it would make a kind of gurgling noise. Are you saying when... you killed a ghost? Is that your proudest accomplishment? Is having killed a ghost? No, I just let it escape, like in, like in. The Legends of Carandia, the Hand of Fate. You, there's a ghost in a bottle that you can put in a bottle, and then you let it go, and it lives in a, a 
a uh, a scarecrow runs away. It's great. Yeah. When you bled the radiator and the ghost came out, did it kind of go? Thank you. So it was escaping into the air. <laughs> yes. Uh, we, well, I mean, fine. We'll be boring. We can talk about games. No, uh, Matt still hasn't told us. Oh what yeah, he's Matt, proud what are you proud of in real, of in real I'm life? Not, I'm not proud of anything. You're ashamed. It's just Matt's just a shame ball. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not having things I'm proud of doesn't mean there are things I'm ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> How many times have you been to Beautiful Days Festival, Matt? <laughs> uh, seven, I think. Or maybe six. I've been going since I was 18. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about Beautiful Days on the RPS podcast. It's a levelers festival. It's a very good festival. There you go. They don't advertise. They're all, they're, they're very cool people. A what festival? It's a music festival uh, hosted by the levelers, who are a really good folk rock band. I'm, yeah, I, I'm I proud would, of them. I would describe that as a contradiction in terms, but they go. What? Folk rock? Really good folk rock. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Do you, do you know uh, the other day, R.I.P. to uh, Keith from um, The Prodigy, and in our team <laughs> call, we were like, R.I.P. Keith, R.I.P. in peace. And I joked, do you know who The Prodigy are, Matt? <laughs> Thinking it was a hilarious joke, because I mock him for being younger and, and also not having many, sort of, that many references. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, not really. <laughs> And then Dave said they've been at Beautiful Days, which means I probably have seen them. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> enough of mocking Matt for now. I'm sure we'll get onto it again. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that needed qualifying. <laughs> for now. So, yeah, we're talking about, uh, you know, things we take pride in in games and... and uh, achievements that we're proud of uh but brendan since this theme was your idea you can go first um well i'm proud of a few things i'm a proud of a, a big uh in minecraft i made a big library inside of a, a tree or like at the, at the roots of a tree uh i made the big tree and it was like a, one of those giant redwoods you would find but before the game had big giant redwoods, I made it myself out of wood that I cut down from other trees. So I kind of like made a Frankenstein tree, yeah, and then made a library inside it, which was made of all the paper from reeds that I killed. So basically, I am proud of conquering nature and then perverting it into a kind of decorative library that I you can't even use because there's, you know, read the books in the bookshelves you just look at them and go ah so i was proud of that that when you think about it when i put it like that i'm not sure i should be yeah that's the equivalent of like you making like a wardrobe out of bones and then filling it with skin suits okay i'll try another one i'll try another one right (laughs) like (laughs) like you are you're a fearsome serial killer to trees and plants in that world now and that, like all the plant detectives are like, we just can't get. He's he's struck again. Like we is... don't know where he hides. Yeah, he hides in the body of one of his own victims. What what a sick man! 
What kind of pervert does this? <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so last pride of that night. Sorry. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry. So yeah, no, that does. That sounds like a great achievement, though, Brendan. <laughs> like, <laughs> that took a lot of like you know patience and uh and good planning, forward thinking. I really hope this is going to happen for everything, Brendan says. <laughs> The other things that I was proud of, though, were um, completing Alien Isolation. I've talked about it, I think, before, back when Adam and Pip were on. But uh, I had a, a mortal fear of the, the xenomorph from the Alien movies. Like, I would have nightmares about them and stuff. They really, really freaked me out. I loved them at the same time, but I, you know, it was one of those kind of fascinated fears. But I, I, I was genuinely frightened of them. Um, but I completed Alien Isolation because I wanted to prove that they they didn't have control of me. They weren't going to boss me around anymore, the xenomorphs. And uh, when I finished it, I felt so relieved and happy that I'd conquered them. And I haven't had a nightmare since. Oh, that's that's lovely. That's a good one. I've got nothing as good as conquering my fears. Did you, did you play Alien Isolation, Matt? I did. And I also finished it. But I I didn't find it as terrifying. So it, I, I'm not as proud as Brendan. It took me weeks. It was like one of those things where you, like, I put it away and I'd be like, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. And then I would go back to it in like a fit of bravery. Do you know, actually, I, I think I, despite what I just said, I think I did stop playing it when I got to a particularly intense bit. Once, like, you go into, like, it's the first time you go off the ship and into their nesty bit. <sighs> That's bad. That made me stop for a while. Yeah. That's funny, because one, one of mine is kind of similar. Um, you So, you know, why well, this might, I don't know if I'll be allowed, uh, but, you know, uh, the bit with the eye in dead space. Yes. No. So is it two? It's two, isn't it? I, yeah, I think so. So in Dead Space Two, it's really near the start as well. Um, there's this sort of like weird procedure you have to go to that seems entirely unnecessary, but involves a big needle going into uh, Isaac's eye, <laughs> and and you have to like sort of like it, and it slowly lowers in. And you you have to sort of line it because if you get it wrong or you you lower it in when he's like moving his eye around too much, it kind of like goes and then yep. like like screws his whole eye socket oh out. God. <laughs> but it's really horrible. And I have a thing about eyes. Uh, I don't like dolls, uh, identical twins, or eye stuff. Because you're gonna run down of fears if you ever want to frighten Alice. <laughs> Just make two identical twin dolls with massive eyes. It's like <laughs> your nightmare. Yeah, no, don't like it. I feel like that's the dangerous thing to tell the internet. No, it was really awkward because I used to work at Video Gamer, which was founded by uh, two like twin identical twin brothers, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they freaked me out a bit. <laughs> <laughs> what? What about them freaks you out? It's like the Uncanny Valley, but in real life. 
<laughs> like this isn't right. This isn't natural. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Okay, and I, excellent. Oh, in the in the offices, I sat with my back to them. And they they you can tell the difference between them, but uh, like they sound very similar, and so it was like listening to one man having a conversation with himself. And <laughs> Were they ever aware you were scared of them? Did they mess you about? No, they didn't. Like, no. I, d- I did tell, I think I told Tom at one point, I was like, no, nah, twins, it's a bit freaky. Like, I, d- <laughs> <laughs> I think I did anyway. But they're very, they're, they're very, very lovely men. They're not like frightening men. It's just, it's it's nothing personal. Really. <laughs> <laughs> so you were proud of the getting over the eye thing? I'm not over the eye thing, but I was proud of getting through the eye bit. Okay. Basically. Because I, yeah. I was just like, Whoa. like, mm-hmm. yeah, didn't like it. There's a scene like that in um in House, I think, once where like he's he's this kid has to have like some sort of sample taken from his eye and they have to put like a needle right through the middle of it. And and the guy's like, it you 'cause you can't close your eyes and look away, you just have to look at this mm. needle. Uh, and he's like, It's scary as hell, but it won't hurt and I was like it, I feel like it would hurt like <laughs> if anyone has the identical fear like as you and is listening now they they were not ready they're probably not ready for this yeah true sorry <laughs> content warning well, eyes and twin stuff the proudest <laughs> accomplishment can be listening to the RPS podcast <laughs> Should I tell you what I'm most proud of? I haven't. Yes. I am proud of. See, I thought you guys were going to go for more boasty things because it was the perfect opportunity to do this. But oh. well, no, I... we, I've got I've got boasty things in in the in the back burner. Don't worry. Sweet, sweet. I am proud of getting every achievement in Splunky. Somehow, <laughs> and somehow is playing it for three hundred hours. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, my first question was how long did it take you? Um yeah, a while. Um but the uh, the achievements in Splunky are really neat. So there's like the ones that are get loads of money and you know find everything. But then the two hardest ones are there's the speedrunning one where you have to finish the game in 7 minutes. Um which is just it's really a really fun way to approach that game and I like like I've always held Spelunky's achievements up as good ones that sort of aren't just incidental, they actually change, like, your entire approach to it. And so when I was, you know, playing Spelunky every evening, I'd, you know, have a series of speed runs, and those would feel very different to, like, the slow, cautious thing where, you know, you're... The default thing in Spelunky is to meticulously comb over every possible bit of a level. And, well, yeah, obviously, speedrunning, you're just leaping straight through it it is a bit annoying in that its achievability very much depends on whether you find a jetpack early on or not um so yeah it's like part of that part of it is just (laughs) i'm proud of committing enough time to it but the other one uh is even more interesting it's the one where um you finish the game without collecting a single bit of gold (laughs) that took me forever because that like, like wouldn't you collect it accidentally? Yeah, well, that's the whole thing. You go through the whole game without like it turns every little gold bar on the floor 
into a spike trap. It's like gold as lava. Yep. And like you can't blow up the walls because sometimes gems will fly out of the walls. And yeah. Like Spelunky's renowned for having really dangerous hazards absolutely everywhere and loads of gold to collect. And that achievement turns all of the gold into <laughs> terrible hazards. <laughs> That's amazing. Was That's that great. sorry, was that the hardest one? What was the hardest? That was definitely the hardest. Yeah. Well, I think you should be proud Thank of that. You. How many achievements were there? Is it like uh, not an overwhelming number? Twenty or thirty? Not sure. But were they all like quite nailsy? Um those two are definitely the ones that stuck out. Other than that, I think they were the kind of thing you get just by playing for many hours, you know, just you're going to get a really high score at some point. You're going to have your friend kill you in co-op or something. Um, no, I think you should be proud of that. And it's not just because one of my proudest achievements is also getting all the things. <laughs> where, where did you get all the things? I got all the things in uh, Ollie Ollie 2. Ah. Welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> I wondered when Ollie Ollie was going <laughs> to come up. Uh, it's, it's, it's really hard. It's difficult. Ollie Ollie 2 is a skateboarding game, uh, 2D skateboarding game, where you have to press a button to land your skateboard, not just jump. Uh, so, and it, it's quite easy to complete, like, the, the levels, but then to get, to beat it, you have to do this thing called rad mode, which means you have to land every trick perfectly. Basically, when you do a grind or a manual or land a trick or do anything against anything in Oli Oli, it'll give you like a little rank and it'll say like, oh, that was an okay, you know, grind or, you know, that was a, that was a good, that was a sick landing. You know, that was a, that was a, that was a, a good <laughs> manual. But if you don't get perfect in rad mode, uh, your character just falls over and like all the teeth come out. So. It's just this intensely difficult mode to to beat, and you have to beat every level in that mode, something like fifty levels, uh, and then you get you completed everything, you've done everything, you enter the hall of rad. It's called. Is it really? <laughs> it's called yes. It's called the hall of rad. Not why is it not rad Haller? Ah. <sighs> I'm going to email Roll7, the developers, <laughs> right now and tell them sort this out. Is that what's earned you... What's your rank of all the best Oli Oli players in the world, Oli? Uh, Brendy? Oli Brendy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm 21st on PlayStation 4. Wow. But I'm, I'm second on Switch because Switch kids don't know how to Oli. Fools. Switch kids don't know how to Oli. Have you, have you ever... Don't tried skateboarding IRL. Uh, when I was fourteen years old, yes, I could do an ollie if I was standing still. So I couldn't move the boat with skateboard and do an ollie <laughs> at the same time. I could stand on it and it's do a stationary ollie, and I was proud of that. And then I didn't try any other tricks. <laughs> oh, <laughs> poor baby Brendy. Yeah, I wasn't. I don't. I don't have great balance in real life, or uh, 
and I'm also not very brave, so falling is quite frightening. I had a waveboard as a kid, which is like a skateboard for nerds. It was a waveboard. It's got like two wheels and like two little platforms and like a little joint between them. And you move forward just by um, like moving your feet like up and down, like you're stepping. It, it's a hard motion to convey in words, but you're like tilting your foot back and forward. And somehow that translates into forward movement. They're really fun. Uh, is it, does it look kind of like uh? So disgusting. It, is it like two little platforms with a bar between them, almost? Yes. Right, it, I, I think I had one as well. Is it called a sidewinder? Apparently. We called them a sidewinder, but it, I don't know. Could you do sick tricks on one, though? Like, you couldn't grind if it's got a joint in the middle, presumably. Um, probably not. I don't even think you could jump with one of them. Yeah. Yeah, the jumping's the real, the real obstacle there. <laughs> <laughs> Skateboard for nerds. It's great. Not a skateboard for nerds if you can't do anything on it. <laughs> I was going to say, one. Of, this one definitely is cheaty because uh, it was a console game, but it got emulated on PC. And it also, it's on the Xbox uh, back compat thing now, which means it might be on Play Anywhere. I don't know. Anyway. So, years ago, I was quite into watching boxing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, we got a uh, fight night, and the, at the time I think it was about two thousand and was it eight nine? C- could have been twenty ten. Actually, think about it. Don't know. Uh, it was fight night champions came out, which was sort of like you know FIFA had their little like um uh like FIFA Legends or whatever. It was. No, that was the one with, and it was like oh you go from like training to it, had, it was like a, a narrative. <laughs> I have no idea. The yeah. Alex Kid story. Yeah, Alex Hunter. Yeah, Alex Hunter. Who's and it Alex was kid. yeah. <laughs> so Fight Night Champions was sort of like that. It was like you you were like a an up and coming boxer, and then like uh, so you did like fights against you know it, there were like story fights basically, and then there was also like an evil bad guy boxer who like framed you for something and sent you to prison. And I think your dad died or something. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> But the fight with the evil boxer was, like, your last fight. And, like, uh, you had to go, like, the full rounds with him, I think. I can't remember. But anyway, it was the che- like the cheesiest, like, most annoying boss fight ever. Because it was, like, in the first round, you had to avoid getting hit. And in the second round, you had to, like, run around and tire him out and stuff. And if you got hit, like, twice by him, that was it. Game over. Because he was just... That sounds obnoxious. Just massively OP. And it took so long. It took so long to to beat him. It took so long. And then when it just when when I did it was the happiest moment of my life up to then. It was <laughs> I was just like, that's it. I can die now. Because <laughs> it was such a terrible boss fight. And I and yet I would not let it die. Cause I'd been to prison, damn it. <laughs> Why do we do these things to ourselves? Why do, why do we well, let video games frustrate us to the point where we feel relief that they're over? Well, it's an interesting and, and then we say we're proud of it. Well, we but should it, say we're ashamed of having wasted so much time fighting that bloody boxer. But is it wasted if the feeling of, you know, gratification and achievement, like it sounds like it was worth it. 
Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a very oh. good game. I just, I was just very. I was so. <laughs> you were the happiest you've ever been. <laughs> yeah, but you know, do you want to do? Hang on, we can do philosophy. Do you want to do a f- philosophy thing? Because I think always it's, it's just like the sunk cost fallacy, <laughs> isn't it? Like I've spent like six hours playing this stupid boxing game, and if well, I don't beat it, what was the point? <laughs> I should come up with a jingle for. Do you want to do a philosophy? <laughs> Maybe sunk. Like my understanding of sunk cost fallacy is when that's what drives you to continue doing a thing on the understanding that you're going to get rewards that you're not ultimately going to get. But in this situation, you are ultimately getting some rewards. Are you though? <laughs> <laughs> and you've got a story. True. I used to watch real boxing as well. It's brutal. Because I was just well into it. It's it sounds like, horrible. I'd never... Yeah. Yeah. It's really, like... It's sort of like American football where, like, you see these guys a few years later and you're like, oh, God, there are terrible costs to being good at your sport. Like... Mm. But it is also impressive. There are some good good fighters out there. Yeah. There's loads of interesting stuff as well about how, like, actually boxing might have been safer in the bare-knuckle days because you couldn't keep on hitting people in the face for so long if you were just... All right. Yeah. <laughs> If you didn't have gloves. Hmm. Was, was there more, like, was there still more or less blood then? There was more blood because you'd split people's yeah. faces open more, but it just did less long-term damage to your brain, potentially. <laughs> Great. But yeah, I watched, all of, I wa- I watched the fight uh, between, um, it was Mayweather and I, I can't remember who, but like, uh, it was uh, they, they called him like cheap shot because he uh, because it was like cheap shot versus protect yourself at all times because like one of the one of them made a mistake in the fight and then they they went in and and the opponent was like uh, uh, yeah sorry man and Mayweather just punched him in the face and like sent him straight down basically and and it was it was supposed to be like that was a cheap shot but also like when the fight is on you have to protect yourself at all times so like... wait I I haven't followed they were. They were talking like mid fight. So there was like a well, no, that's the thing. There was a, there was a brief like I think timeout and when the ref like had a, had a go at like the opponent for doing something wrong, and so okay. the opponent opponent went in and was like, "Sorry, man," and Mayweather was like, "No problem." They punched him immediately during the break, <laughs> but it wasn't a break. That's the thing. The break had been called over. Right. This is my so, so it was it was boxing. technically allowed. Yeah, it was allowed. It, was, but everyone it wasn't was like, against the back. rules, yeah. but it was seen as per form. I see. Kind of, yeah, but he he's also like a a terrible piece of. I'm not gonna swear. I caught myself before I swore, Brendan. Good work. You should um, be proud of that. That I am, yeah. Uh, but he's an awful person in general, anyway. So. <laughs> boxing. <laughs> <laughs> ten, vague ten year ago knowledge of boxing. I prefer it when the blood is not real. <laughs> Okay, like that. I mean, that's that's well done. <laughs> uh, shall we move on to what we've been playing this week? Yeah, can do. I have nothing left to be proud about. Do you have anything left you're proud of, Matt? Well, funnily enough, I'm proud of beating the final boss fight in Devil May Cry. Oh, God, yeah. This will be a great segue, actually, because you can talk about that. But, 
yeah, you, oh, you were sad. Because he was playing it in the office and he just kept every few minutes going, oh, come on! And, or like almost throwing his controller and just looking really cross at the game. Yes, I... <laughs> I was on it for like an hour and a half. And yeah, I'd... Alice noticed me doing this where I'd like raise my hand to my mouth to stop myself from screaming out. Um, it's a really poorly designed boss fight in an otherwise really good game. Um, I've never played any of the Devil May Cry games, so you might need to summarize huh. the the idea of them for me. Okay, so Dave called them spectacle fighters earlier, which I liked um, because they're basically there. Are, every Devil May Cry game is about giving you loads and loads of different ways to very spectacularly beat up demons. Um, and this Devil May Cry game gives you more ways of beating up demons than all the other ones, so it's the best. <laughs> That's my review. Excellent. Great. We can skip the next segment of the podcast. Then. <laughs> but what? So what was it about this boss fight that was bad? Uh, so there's this one bit in particular where he, the the boss fight turns into a like a a devil thing, like a lot of things in Devil May Cry do. Um and like starts swooping around the arena and if he he like char- does this chargey swoop and if the chargey sweep hits you that's like more than half your health gone and he does that three times and in between the swoops he summons like a ring of swords around you that will also do a load of damage if you don't either dodge additionally at the right time for those or cut away at them and on top of that like the third swoop he did would sometimes glitch but not always so that it would come like he'd like try and fly through a bit of scenery and then stop and then the actual swoop would come a second later and so yeah it was like a glitch embedded in a boss fight that was already badly balanced so let's let's summarize okay so tips and guides corner right when you're fighting this boss look out for chargey swoop yep swordy boys Mm mm-hmm Glitchy fake swoop. You got it. All right. I'm sure everyone listening this. to this will be fine now. But it was funny. It pl- it plays into um like what we were talking about earlier because like it, it was the very last boss fight and I'd spent the whole game up to that point on like the harder of the two difficulty modes that you get at the start and I was not gonna change the difficulty down <laughs> at that point, which is sort of silly, especially because you know I knew. It it wasn't like the kind of challenge that had been well designed as something to get over. It was like poorly designed. It was it was doing an unfair amount of damage at a particular point, um, and was also done such that the first couple of minutes of it were really easy once you know you'd failed enough times to be practiced at them. But at the same time, after playing a game for, I think it's like. 16 hours or so it's quite a long game um the idea of turning down the difficulty at the very last the very last hurdle would not have sat well with me do you ever play dark souls games matt yeah well what you just described just sounds like dark souls dark souls is bad what was that did you hear something (laughs) (laughs) sometimes i can still hear his voice 
<laughs> we did rib Matt about it. We joked about it in the office because uh, Graham was like, there's nothing wrong with playing on a lower difficulty. And Matt was like, yes, there is. And we were like, ah, you failed. There was a test and you failed. <laughs> like, yeah, there wouldn't have been anything wrong with it. Apart from I would have felt less accomplished. You didn't want to. That's enough. That's fine. I think <laughs> I do want to interrogate why. <laughs> uh, Matt, Matt has been fired. um well let's now move on to what we've been playing then matt i did the jingle ages ago i'm sorry (laughs) matt you've been playing devil may cry (laughs) i have um yeah i should say a little bit about the setup like and the the setup is that there's a massive tree that's trying to steal everyone's blood and you're trying to stop the tree. <laughs> <laughs> okay, is the tree It's it's on a, a demon? It's, it's a it's an, on a quest for revenge because its cousin was turned into a library in the <laughs> Minecraft. <laughs> um it is sort of a quest for revenge in that the guy on top of the tree has stolen one of your arms. And you're very angry about your lack of an arm, even though your arm is replaced with loads of cool robot hands that do loads of different things, like turning into rockets that you can ride around on and electrocuting things and like jumping around on like little force blasts and tethering things and grappling hook towards and grappling hook towards enemies and grappling hook enemies towards you. And stopping time, and there's a lot of cool robots. Stop weird. Hang on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You fire a little, like, time bubble from your arm. um, And then the things in the time bubble move really slowly for a bit. And you can also hold up the arm to, um, like, all of the arms have, like, a special powerful attack that, like, breaks them. So they're, like, disposable things that either break if you do that or if you get hit while you're using them. And, like, the special one for that just stops time for a bit for everyone. It's neat. But you you play as three different people, right? Yeah, so this is where we go back to it giving you so many ways to cut up demons. So that's Nero, the guy I was just describing. Um, He plays at the start. Then a little bit later you get V, who is not as good. uh, But you only play as him for a bit. And... His thing is like hanging back at the end of the fight, at like the back of the fight, and getting a really annoying crow and a thankfully silent panther to <laughs> attack things. Um, which is like a neat idea, but you end up just sort of mashing buttons because you're not really, you're not thinking about yourself, and everything is sort of happening too far away for you to properly look at and consider all of you know the cool choreographed combos that you do with the other characters um <laughs> i love i would love just once to be in on like a boardroom meeting for like early concepting for games like this just like yeah yeah and he's got yeah he's uh he's got a raven, <laughs> a raven yeah what else what else a panther yeah a panther's the sexiest animal to be killed by like <laughs> And how he summons him from reading poetry, yeah. He does. I was about to mention that, which I somehow stupidly didn't mention in my review. He has, like, a chargey uppy meter that summons a big golem thing. But he can charge that up by um, just holding a button that where reads poetry, like, from his big pretentious book of poems. Wait, are they real poems that 
from real authors, or are they like fake met... fake poems for the game? I didn't recognize anything, but that doesn't necessarily mean much. Like, is it, are they there, like, reading the wasteland, like, as marionettes <laughs> come at them? I think Alice is fact-checking. I'll look it up. You carry on. Tell Brandy about the third person you find. Third yeah, person is Dante, who is the the one from the other Devil May Cries, apart from the last one. And he's real good. So Dante has four different stances, four different ranged weapons, and four different melee weapons, and you can swap between all of them at once, which just gives you this ridiculous amount of, you know, potential ways of cutting up a demon. Um, And you don't get all of that at once. You do... It is definitely, like, a shift from... Uh, from Nero when you're suddenly cycling between two different weapons and four different stances. So the, the way... Oh. It's, uh, it's William Blake. <laughs> it's William Blake. Of course. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Man. I feel... Uneducated. Anyway, um, I'm going to go back to talking about how good it is to hit the demons with things. <laughs> So your um your stances are like each one of them does a different thing with the B button. So if you're in like trickster stance, suddenly you can teleport and dodge real good. Uh, if you're in like the swordmaster stance, you get additional swords that you can summon from midair. If you're in like the royal guard stance, you can do like counters and blocks, and then the gunslinger one does like special ranged attack things. So you can, like, dip in and out of them wherever you want, or you can just sort of specialise, which you're kind of incentivized to do because of the upgrade system. So, yeah, you you have those stances at the start, and then you buy an upgrade that just unlocks a whole bunch more of additional moves for each individual stance. Which means, like, by the end of it... Like, whatever buttons you press, some fun combo is going to happen which does it does change the nature of it a bit but the big thing about Devil May Cry that I haven't mentioned yet is the fighting system revolves around style like it's more about style than not dying because as you're hitting things and as you're hitting things with lots of different things uh, a big letter appears on the screen and a big boomy voice shouts dismal or brutal or smoking sexy style (laughs) at you. Um, The last one being when you're being really, really good. Um, (laughs) So yeah, like getting better at it isn't so much not dying. It's it's having a man shout that at you, which I do enjoy. Smoking sexy style. (laughs) Excellent. Also another layer to it, which... um, I've started doing so. I have I've gone back to a second playthrough, um, even though it's not my job anymore, which is always a good sign <laughs> of a good video game. Um, and there's a thing I've just realised you can do with like a taunt button, and the taunt button does a different thing depending on like your style, current style ranking. So I'm having fun just jumping over enemies and like posing in midair, landing, rolling. Hit them some more. 
it's real good. And it's also incredibly silly. There's one bit where um, a, uh, the person that drives the van that is also silly because it can teleport anywhere. There's like a running joke where you find telephone booths in, you know, like deep underground and in big demon fortresses and wherever you are. Nico comes with a van that is a shop. And like at first it's like, you know, just spinning around a corner and then it's smashing through walls. And then by the end, it's like tunneling through the ground. Um, but the woman that drives that at one point um, gives you a special hat and then Dante puts the hat on and does a 30 second dance with fireworks <laughs> for no reason other than they wanted him to do a dance yes <laughs> so, in the, so in the boardroom someone did decide, did just suggest that moment and I'm very glad I'm very glad they did also I only realised this um after but that hat so the way it works is you throw it and um it like throwing it uses up xp but then if you hit an enemy that you've thrown a hat at you get more xp back which is cool but what's far cooler than that and i never noticed because it's quite small is that the demons actually wear the hat and so you can (laughs) you can just throw this hat at any demon in the game and you're just beaten up in a little hat with a scarf It's like they it's like they were halfway through development and they all started playing the newest Mario game. Yes. <laughs> it yeah, it is. It's very silly. And very enjoyable. There you go. Brendy, what have you been playing recently? A- anything of interest or at all? Uh I played a bit of a game called Objects in Space recently, which was it is a game about flying a, a, a galactic submarine, basically. Imagine a spaceship, but you don't have like the nice window and the good vista of, you know, Saturn's rings or whatever. You just have like a, an, an iron wall in front of you and a whole load of screens, and it's very low fi. It's like low poly PlayStation 2 era graphics of everything, and you're just kind of typing and telling your ship to cross the, cross the galaxy shipping helium from one station to another and trying to avoid being caught by the cops because you're you've also got like some drugs in your in your secret compartment it's good yeah there you go that's that was a a remarkably succinct (laughs) succinct uh description of it as well is that the one i've seen it looks very fiddly but that was only from glancing at it it is hugely fiddly. It's it's so fiddly that, but it's fiddly in in the good way. It's like if anyone, like if you guys have played Elite, you know when you or like any other spaceship sim, when you first la- are in your spaceship and the game hasn't necessarily taught you how to do anything, but there are a lot of buttons around and you just go, you know what? I'll just I'll just teach myself. I'll press this button and see what happens. And you just and then you just take off into the wall and blow up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a bit like that. It does teach you. But it doesn't teach you everything, so there is a lot of like trial and error and trying to figure out what all these weird acronyms and stuff means. Um, and there's a really cool thing in the game. I didn't, uh, I, I didn't try out or anything, but it does let you hook up. It does uh, encourage you to build your own controllers with like an Arduino set. What? Uh, I think they're called, and and you make your own kind of cockpit, like just 
experiment with electronics and try and come up with your own controllers to fly your spaceship and stuff. Um, it, so that's kind of like it has a whole hobbyist angle to it that you could that you could take up if you wanted, which I think is really really neat. Uh, again, it's like that's too deep for me. Mm. <laughs> I'll just stick to the keyboard, thanks. But uh, it's it's wonderful that that exists. I think like it does sound really cool. It's it it's a very it's a very you sort of game as well. I think you like the kind of fiddly spaceshipy ones. Eh? I love fiddly spaceships. They're just they're just my yeah. They're my weakness. Fiddly spaceships and skateboards. We I mean, should add uh, we should add fiddly spaceships as a genre. Yeah. <laughs> uh, One day someone will make a fiddly spaceship that is a skateboard. And oh, my all Brendy's dreams will be true. Or a really fiddly, just a really fiddly skateboard. <laughs> like a, a skateboarding sim that's like quap. Just really <laughs> difficult to control. Uh, Bennett Foddy must have done something. I'm, I'm just thinking, like quap on a skateboard, my god. What have you been playing, Alice? Uh, I have been playing The Occupation. Um... Which I've said, like people, it's it's flawed but interesting, which is true. But also, if you cooked your mate a lasagna and they said, "Hmm, flawed but interesting," because <laughs> 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 um, it is, it's technically, you know, it. I would not disagree with someone that said it's flawed but interesting. But also, like the first kind of proper hour chunk of it I played was the most fun I've had to get in for ages mm. um, basically in the occupation uh, it's set in uh, a northern town in uh, the UK in the 80s which is really nice as well like because it, it's set in the UK and it properly looks like it's a small English town as well uh, it has all it has the right bins and everything uh, and proper regional accents mm. Um uh, and uh, set in the 80s and that, you know, like there's poverty, uh, people concerned about immigration, it's, you know, what's old is new again. Um, and uh, this sort of semi-privatized uh, company, government company uh, called, I know the initials are BC, it's like Bowers, Bowers Carsten or something. Um, uh They've proposed a law called the Union Act, which will allow them to both send them back and also stop them coming in the first place. And also, like, part of it is basically like spying on. It's basically like pre V for Vendetta kind of. Hmm. Um. Uh. But then there's an explosion at the facility where they're developing all the technology that will work for this act. Basically, all the kind of monitoring, data compiling stuff. Uh. And twenty three people are killed. Um, and then you go in as an investigative journalist um, and you don't think the guy that they fitted up for the crime did it. You've got a hunch that it wasn't him. So basically the game is you have got interviews with uh, people at the offices of this, this place, this company, but you turn up deliberately an hour early so you can go sneak around and like hmm. read all their emails and stuff. And that's the first bit is really fun because it's the the kind of flash of brilliant the the genius stroke in it is that it's all in real time, so it says you've got an hour to your meeting, you have an hour, so you could sit around and do nothing and just wait for your meeting and then you just have a really boring interview or 
you can follow leads and like climb through windows and sneak around through air vents and stuff and like um it does a really good job of uh making it making it feel like every second counts and also making some seconds feel really long because mm. like the old 80s computers take ages to check if you've used the right password or like um uh filing cabinets open really slowly and <laughs> really loudly as well uh and and it's really great like where you're just like you're kind of rifling through a filing cabinet whilst also checking that like nobody can see you because if you get caught uh by any of the other employees or like the the security guards um, they'll ask you to leave and if you don't leave quick enough or they catch you too many times you get taken back to the front security desk and then you lose 15 precious minutes hmm. um, so you have all these leads to follow up like, and they they sort of breadcrumb trail around the office so like, there's one where it's like okay, you need to find the phone records that prove the guy wasn't there at the time uh, and the phone records are being kept in the, uh, the temporary office put, set up for the police investigation. So you go in there, but they, then you find a note saying they've been moved. So then you have to get into this other person's office and then you have to find the, the key to open, like the, the four-digit code to open the safe and stuff. Mm. It's really good. So is it like specific objectives that you're trying to achieve? It gives you specific objectives. But it doesn't tell you how to do it. Uh, you don't get like markers on your map either as well. So if right. you need to go to room 209, you have to find room 209. Yeah. I'm, and just, I'm just wondering, is it kind of that there's no way you'll be able to do everything. Yeah, unless you've played it before and you already know where all the stuff is hidden kind of thing. Right. Um, so wait, why, why did it start to drag? Well, so after the, the first mission, uh, you, you, it's, it's, that's what it's investigative and it's, you know, you're, you're like, there are so many places to go and you're running around and you're finding loads of stuff and you feel like you're making loads of progress. And then after that, it gradually becomes less investigation and more kind of puzzle solving which is not quite the same thing because like the company has um like loads of security doors with different colors and you need different key cards to get through them but they also wipe any um floppy disks that you take through them as well and uh they they have like a pneumatic kind of tube delivery system that you can use so it becomes this weird sort of logic puzzle to rather than like finding clues and and following trails you're like moving clues around once you found them Hmm. and it and it wasn't as fun and at the same time it sort of it it ramps up the kind of industrial espionage story angle so that you become involved in the espionage rather than just being a journalist so by the end it's it's not really the same idea of like you're hunting down the story because as a player you already know what actually happened because Columbo style you're kind of shown because you play through flashbacks as a different character so there isn't like a reveal and then you you also sort of you as the journalist character kind of find out what happens like two thirds of the way through so by the end you're not like piecing together the clues or anything and and you and it's supposed to be like a big choice at the end where you're like do I choose one side or the other and I was like I don't care like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it and it also like it is it is quite buggy like right. I I don't like I wasn't able to open my inventory <laughs> for the whole the whole time so the game the game defaults <laughs> to what yeah the, I, well I think I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to be able to open my inventory because it says press R to open briefcase but I was never able to, and the game defaults to the last thing you picked up is your active item. 
So that means if I accidentally picked up something I didn't want, then I could. Or sometimes I would pick up one of the pneumatic message tubes that had uh, a um, floppy disk that I needed in it. But I wouldn't open the tube and get the floppy disk out. I would just accidentally put the thing in my briefcase. So then I couldn't get to it again. <laughs> and then and then I had to like reload then because it would it stopped. It was at a point where I needed that floppy disk to progress. And and that and so I had to restart. But the game only saves at the start and end of each segment. Um, which is a nice touch in a game where it's like real time, but not in a real time game that's kind of a bit broken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so I couldn't open my inventory. That I uh, at one point uh, I didn't get the option to put stuff back where I found it. I could only pick it up and put it in my briefcase. So I was just going around this office stealing everything in sight <laughs> unintentionally. Um, one time the security guard, uh, he sort of vanished, but his voice was still haunting the <laughs> corridors. And there was an alarm guy. I'd set an alarm off and I could just hear his voice echoing, going like, what's happened now? Or like, another alarm going off like every every couple of minutes. Um, and like stuff like that, like so it's it's a bit broken and it's a bit it it kind of it because it has such a kind of nice focus and nice loads and nice details. So you have like a a watch that you can set an alarm on to remind you, like oh that guy's gonna open this storeroom at twenty past three, or I like see. uh I'll come back to this room in two minutes because the safe will be open then or whatever. But um. It just like if if someone made a game exactly like that, but like just every every mission was like different, and it was just you being a journalist, journalisting around, and like mm. breaking into the offices of loads of smug like corporate suits. I'd play that. <laughs> yeah, because every, every like at its best, like you know, in a film where like there's someone where they shouldn't be, and they're like hacking a computer and then you cut to like the person whose office it is is coming up and then like their hands on the doorknob and then like their secretary's like oh one minute and he's yeah. like what and like and then like and and then they open the door but the journalist is gone because they managed to escape through the roof and they've got the the file and whatever it's like that but like every five minutes because that's what you're doing just the whole time mm. so it's it, it's yeah it's flawed, flawed, but, flawed interesting. but interesting yeah <laughs> how long is it <laughs> A deliciously flawed but interesting lasagna of a game. <laughs> um, it's like uh, about four or five hours, I think. Okay. So I would recommend blasting through it if it's. I, I can't remember how much it is, but if it's def- if it's on sale, definitely like pick it up because I think they're working on fixing all the broken bits of it as well. Mm. Yeah, that's what I've been playing. Neat. Uh, shall we look at what our readers have been? Telling it, readers slash listeners, yes, have been uh, been saying. We have a lot of responses for this as well. Oh, some of these are really good. Yeah, got sixty nine responses on the Twitter. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it. <laughs> Sorry, right. just think it. Uh, right, so. Every week before we record the podcast, we put on Facebook and Twitter um, asking for people uh, to give us their, you know, favorite, what was it, favorite gun we've done in the past or, or favorite best kick. So um, today we've asked what everyone else's proudest achievements in gaming are. Uh. 
Ashford Johnson, who is a, a freelancer for the site as well, has uh, said she managed to build a giant hammer and sickle in Fortnite without dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she did that for an article for me where I commissioned her to try and uh, start a communist revolution in Fortnite and get everyone to lay down their arms. Didn't work, did it? No, it didn't, but she she built... She just built a massive hammer and sickle. Oh, and so it kind of did. And then got shot. <laughs> <laughs> like the real communist. Bethesda, the, the, the Dragonites of March says, Bethesda removed spellcrafting in Skyrim, so I had to resort to using a creation kit, uh, which is like a moddy thing. Uh, After much fiddling, I finally made a simple spell that damaged the undead, but healed living creatures. So they made a magic laser, they said. That's, That's pretty nice. cool. Yeah. Alice, have you seen what uh, Hirun Cryer has has said to you? Yes. Yeah, so Hirun is uh, Hirun works at US Gamer. And... <laughs> <laughs> and I I don't know whether to you know maybe just ignore him or not. But uh, he said my proudest gaming achievement would be ignoring uh, and sidelining <laughs> Solus throughout Dragon Age. Uh, because he's a horrible character. He is a horrible character. Well, he, no, he's a horrible person in many respects, but I think he's a very good character. And Hiran is just an ignoramus who doesn't appreciate <laughs> good writing. Heard it there first. <laughs> Let's continue. I like uh, Rodat's, Rodat GHDs, or HiveQuest, uh, says, Together, my family and I built a cute coastal village in Minecraft called Seabreeze. It took weeks, had a lighthouse, ships out to sea, old neighbourhoods, and all sorts of other cool stuff. That's a nice so, thing. It's really so, nice. There's a nice There's a nice picture there as well. It yeah. looks lovely. Bet you they cut down loads of trees to make that, so, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry I ruined your achievement, people. <laughs> uh, Luke on Twitter says, I completed my Pokedex at age 17 on a save file I had started at age 9. It was a life achievement, not just a gaming one. I like that. That's amazing, yeah. Con- congratulations, well done. Mm-hmm. Macklin uh, completed the Portal 2 Potato Sack ARG, or ARG. Do you guys remember that? Nope. N- no. Oh, it was awesome. It was when, um, in the run-up to Portal 2, Valve um, got lo- like 17 games to do portal things in them. So there's like, you know, a level in Killing Floor 2 that was Aperture Laboratories, basically. And, um, like, Amnesia had this mini thing um, with, like, test chambers where you could either, like, solve a puzzle and avoid torturing somebody to death or just torture somebody to death and progress through it. Um, but, yeah, there were loads of them. And he, this uh, Macklin says he's proud of his golden potato icon in a Steam profile back before badges were a thing. Very cool. Oh. Drop my nope. Um, John Mahatma Agrippa uh, on Facebook says uh, doing zero fast travel uh, runs of Skyrim, The Witcher 3, Far Cry 4, Just Cause 3, GTA 5, Watch Dogs 2, Assassin's Creed Syndicate and Origins, Far Cry 5. Basically, practically every open world without fast travel. That That's... sounds really boring. That's no, I impressive. think. Get you get two giant thumbs up from me 
I play every open world game as much as I can without fast travel, and even sometimes I have to use it because otherwise it's just, just tedious. <laughs> but uh, I I appreciate your dedication. Oh yeah, yeah, it's an accomplishment. Don't get me wrong. That's that's why. <laughs> One of my friends uh, played uh, Oblivion. I think was his first Elder Scrolls game, and he didn't realize he could fast travel between places or two places once he'd found them. Mm-hmm. So he accidentally did a no fast travel run of uh, Oblivion and just had like a really really athletic character. <laughs> <laughs> I like this one. Andy M. Doing the line in Championship Manager 92-93. Me and a friend invented this challenge after the game got too easy. It entailed being top of the top league from the first game of the season to the last. It's got its name because when you viewed your season graph, it was a line. That's cool. (laughs) Well, Lady Brosephine of Maple Valley on Twitter uh, has said uh, learning drifting with a controller and has then uh, attached a about a minute long video of a car just drifting continuously around a track. It's pretty impressive. It is unreal how long this these drifts go on for. Yeah, that's fair. I kind of dismissed this at first because I just saw a second of it. It was like drifting. Anyone can drift, but not like that. Uh, doing Still things is. <laughs> Doing things says leading an alliance of 200 people in a castle siege against 200 other people in Lineage 2. The moment our siege golem took down their front gate was the most insane rush I've ever had in a game. I think that must have been, that must have felt cool. Mm, Sounds spectacular. I think people who lead like big groups of MMO hordes against other big groups must, like, they must get such a rush like that, yeah. Like the Eve, the Eve mm. fleet commanders. My mind went to the Eve people. I wonder if you've got any stories coming out that out of Planet Sides, or if Planet Sides like never really did that because it was also you've won the it, war. Here's some more war. <laughs> it uh, it did and it didn't. Um, I think yeah, there was a, there was a lot of like big groups, but but the it's kind of like you don't hear about them because it is every day hundreds of people fighting hundreds of people so it, like the the story is buried in it if mm. you know what i mean what else are people proud of lachlan atcliffe on facebook uh has said completing the final mission in mass effect 2 <laughs> and bringing my entire crew home alive that's a good one i did that i felt proud how do you guys do you guys get any horrible? I, d- horror I d- deaths? well, I did it first time, so I was actually really proud of that. Same. Um, yeah, good. Well done, us. <laughs> yeah, that does. It feels really good, especially as there's like a, a, a at the end. It sort of seems like you know someone's gonna die, but no, mm. they all made yeah. it. Yeah, there's a good bit at the start. Like I love all the character decisions that you make, where it's like, who are you gonna send into the vent? Mm. Send the robot. Um, yeah, I was like, clearly <laughs> the robot. <laughs> But there's a bit before it where, like, you're getting shot at, like, a couple of times, and there's a bit where, like, let's use the special cannons we bought, and you <laughs> use the special cannons you bought, like, nice, I'm yeah. prepared for that. Because there was, yeah, there was loads of stuff that you could do that I didn't realise would affect the final mission, like yeah. upgrading your ship and stuff, I thought it was just like, yeah, this would be cool, and then it, and then it actually matters. <laughs> yeah. One, um, 
I didn't. One of my people died. Who? <gasps> um, what's his name? Z- 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 Zaran, Zishan, Z- Z- Zero- 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 the the lizard boy. No, not the lizard boy. Not oh. he's Thor. Th- 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 oh, something. Oh, right. Yeah. Sorry. This is the um. He was like a DLC character that you got in the, oh, the special the, the, pack. The, the... He's like a South South African mercenary. Oh. Or something. Oh yeah. Or no, he's he's maybe he's New Zealand. I don't know. But he's like this rough and tough dude, and he has a, a grudge against some one of his former employers or something, and he goes off to try and kill him. And yeah. if you interrupt him when he's about to kill his former employer, he doesn't like you anymore. And I did it because he was he was being disobedient, and I didn't like it whenever my crew were disobedient. And I'd like <laughs> slap the gun out of his hand and be like, "You can't kill your old boss because you didn't do what I said." Um, <laughs> and then in the final mission, I chose him to take some. Uh, Take some hostages, like some, what were they, like citizens or hostages, innocents, vulnerable people, back to the ship, and uh, and then find out later that he died doing that. <laughs> and I was like, I would have, I, I feel bad now that I, you know, didn't let you have your revenge, and you kind of redeemed yourself, but you were also just a moody man. I so. like you. <laughs> Yeah, you know you can't shoot your old boss in the same tone as like no, you can't have pudding because <laughs> <laughs> you didn't eat all your broccoli. I liked the you can't shoot your own boss because you didn't do what I said. <laughs> like in other was, circumstances, fine. That was it. It was basically I was role playing as a as a firm but fair commander, <laughs> and he was just he was too much of an insubordinate person. Eat all your vegetables, then you can shoot your boss. So I'm proud that he died. No, I'm not. What, what else have people said? Sorry, that was a bit of a tangent. Matzm says he successfully bred a golden chocobo and collected the Knights of the Round materia in Final Fantasy VII. I don't know, I don't know what that is, but it sounds impressive. Um, from what I remember, the golden chocobo is one of those hard and annoying trial and error things. So I think, yeah, I think it's worth being proud of. Hmm. Uh, the Cooler Max on Twitter says probably 100%ing Assassin's Creed 2 on Brotherhood, which I think is impressive because there are so many feathers that you have to find. Oh my goodness, yeah. yeah. The feathers. Uh, and Weaver, also on uh, Twitter, says Dishonored Ghost slash uh, Clean Hands, which is, that means zero kills and unnoticed, which is it's pretty, pretty good. That's pretty difficult. Mm. Oh, my word. Uh... Mr. Juaber or Juaber, I don't know, um, says I wanna, I beat, I wanna be the guy after 100 hours. Sadly, the hard disk with the CF file broke, so I can never prove it. Oh no! If if people don't know, I wanna be the guy. It's this most. It's just this obnoxiously difficult trollish game that's about you as a player feeling over and over again and it's just very simple like 2d platformer but think super meat boy but a hundred times more difficult because it hits you (laughs) and yeah so this person beat that after a hundred hours so i think they deserve massive kudos massive kudos to you yeah uh any more for any more there's there's a lot. I will link to to this 
thread because there's quite a lot of people who deserve a fav. A platinum in Bloodborne we've got, that's impressive. Well done to Pete for platinuming in platinuming Bloodborne, a game which I had no patience with. Really? I mean But it's so much better than Dark Souls. I know, it's the Souls game that I hate the least. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> Jolly Good. I mean, well done to everyone for all their gaming achievements. You should be very proud of yourselves. Um I think that's about all we've got time for this week. Um thank you very much for listening everyone thank you for joining us matt thanks for having me uh, no problem are you going to beautiful days again of course yeah when when is it is it this year it's the uh third weekend of august there you go down uh, devon get your tickets early they sell out <laughs> about april uh and thank you brendy thank you uh and i'm sorry that i ruined your minecraft achievement for you it's fine it's fine i've still got ollie ollie Still got Ollie Ollie. Um, And yeah, and big thanks to everyone who listened this week uh, to episode 70, I want to say three. Is it 74? 74. We did it at the start. I get it wrong every time. Episode 74 of the Electronic Wireless Show. Um, Please tell your friends and, you know, rate and all that good stuff. Uh, And of course, visit rockpapershotgun.com. And we are on Facebook and Twitter. And these guys are on Twitter as well, aren't you? I'm not, though, because I'm too cool. Mm. Well, my very uncool Twitter handle is Coxix, which is C-O-C-C-Y-X-X. Oh, like the body part. Yeah, but with an extra X. That's also very cool. Yeah, yeah. It's co- <laughs> Did you know things get exponentially cooler the more X's you add to them? Exponentially cooler. I like that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. And we love you lots. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Brendan doesn't get to say his Twitter handle. <laughs> it's Brendy underscore C. Bye. Bye. <laughs>